0: There are four passages of Scripture that we're going to be reading from, uh, Malachi chapter 3, Psalms chapter 24. I'll go through these with you. When I was young um, and in church as a young person, our youth leaders used to do things called a sword drill. Did anybody ever have a sword drill in your life? Okay. Oh, yes, we're all the same age. Let's go to lunch and coffee. We had these these sword drills, and what they were was somebody, you know, the leader would shout out a passage of scripture, and we had to find it, and you get so many points, you know, for locating it and jumping up and reading it. You know, you'd, you'd locate it in your Bible and jump up and read it, and they, they worked hard to find the, the, you know, the sections that were hardest for us to discover, you know. <laughs> but you, you play these games long enough, you got really good at getting through the Bible and navigating through. So we're going to do kind of a sword drill today for you. I'm going to invite you first to Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 10. It is the, the last book before the New Testament. Uh, Malachi chapter, so about the middle of your Bible probably or thereabouts. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, uh, and we're going to be looking at verse 10. That'll be the first one. And if you want to get a little head start, the second one's in Psalms 24, verse 1. Psalms 24, verse 1. Stand for the reading of God's word. I'll give you the references again as we go through Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Okay, so let's go there together. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I love the way this this reads in this uh, particular version. Other versions read uh, windows where it says floodgates. It can be interpreted uh, either way, uh, the word. Uh, it is interesting the word window is only used twice in Scripture. You know where the other reference of window is used in Scripture? Anybody? The flood, who said that? Points over there for the youth leader. A <laughs> Genesis, when uh, that was quite a window, wasn't it? <laughs> Flooded the whole earth. So that's a kind of, that's, that's an understanding of what happens when God opens windows. Uh, Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. Psalms 24, verse 1. Are we there? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. We're going to the New Testament now to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter six. Give you a second there. Matthew chapter six. I hope you're when we read these scriptures, you're also highlighting them in your Bible or underlining them with your pen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths, And vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, let's read this line together, will you? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the Gospel of Luke, if you want to turn over past Mark and into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6 and verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm still hearing some pages turn. Okay, we're there. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Heavenly Father, we ask you to open the ears of our understanding, that we might hear your word, know it in our own hearts, and begin to put into action what you're calling us to. We have, uh, Lord, we long to go deeper with you. We thank you for what you've done through the season of fasting and the convocation. It's setting us up for obedience to you, for following you deeper into your calling for believing and trusting you and having faith in you as the great provider. We thank you, Lord, that you are. And we ask for your blessing over our lives as we walk in obedience and we dive in deeply to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. We were having a little technical uh, trouble with our uh, online uh, situation. And I know for uh, Lawrence and Kim, that's a complete surprise that they're serving today and there's some kind of technical issue. It seems like we plan it for them, that we will throw a little ranch in there. But we do have, uh, you know, are we up now or because I saw the, oh, we're all good now. Welcome online. Glad to have all of you uh, in with us. And, uh, you know, God is, is, has been moving incredibly and I want to share along the way some of the uh, stories that are coming out of our time of fasting and convocation. So, next week we want to do a little bit of that uh, with you, share a little bit of the stories. God has really done some miraculous things. But let's continue to press in and, and anticipate what He has in store for us. Now, when the topic of, of biblical stewardship or giving comes up, uh, and, and it, with relation to our personal finances and giving unto the Lord, uh, the, what really comes to mind for us most often, uh, and, and the most common answer uh, to what we should be doing uh, biblically, is we, we uh, use the word tithing. And yet, uh, that word historically has, uh, has, has been used, and so often the, in the language of the church, that there's, there's a great deal of misunderstanding about what it actually means to tithe. So what does the Bible actually say about giving, about tithing, and uh, the Christian relationship to it? So a couple of things first, right off the top. Tithe uh, is a word that simply means a tenth, a tenth. We taught our kids uh, growing up as we gave them allowance and, uh, you know, how to give 10% of that to God first. My parents taught it to me, Michelle's parents taught it to her, and we taught it to our children uh, when they were very, very young, uh, that this would be a pattern for their life, and we'll talk about why that's important as we go through this. But first of all, it just means a, tenet, uh, a tenth. It was a, it was a basic, a principle of giving. The Old Testament taught a lot about, and and from the beginning, the Jewish people would bring all of their tithe or ten percent of their crops, uh, their livestock to the Lord, to His house, to His to His uh, temple, and uh, these tithes then would be brought to the Levites and the temple workers and they were used to uh, propagate the the work of the Lord uh, among the people to to make sure that there would be people there to teach and to preach to make sure that the the temple would be taken care of and and uh, there would always be a place where people could come to know God and to to learn about God now these these ties were, were brought by the Levites into the temple and and uh, then you know they they uh, at some point Uh, points throughout the history of Israel like happens in uh, the history today in the church world as there was a malaise uh, that would set in and uh, then people would not be doing what God had had asked them to do in terms of giving. And so uh, this was a a key point or example of that is found in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 10 through 11. Nehemiah was shocked and and frustrated when he he goes back to uh, do the work of rebuilding the temple. And uh, he finds out that there are no funds or resources. And so it says, so I confronted, this is Nehemiah talking. He says, "So I confronted the officials and said, "Why is the house of God forsaken? You've been taking care of a lot of other things, but you haven't taken care of, of the treasury so that the house of God could be rebuilt." So that's the first thing. The first thing is tithing taught from the Old Testament principle was about uh, giving of 10%. And second, Uh, with respect to giving. While tithing is a a pattern of giving of the Old Testament, the New Testament enriches or builds on an understanding of giving as a natural response to God. If you take the Old and New Testament combined, what you see is a very clear picture uh, with respect to what God wants us to understand uh, uh, about our place and our position that helps us in terms of giving. And so the the Old and New Testament combined teach us God is the provider and we are the stewards. Everything is provided by God, everything that we have, and we are stewards of those things which God has provided for us. We're going to walk through four main points, each attaching to these passages of Scripture that we read a moment ago about uh, giving. God's decision to use each one of us to support the local mission of the church accomplishes four things in our lives, and I want to walk you through each one of these, but first we're going to lay them out, all right? It establishes first, it declares the lordship uh, of God over all things, over everything, over the universe, over the planet Earth, over uh, all the laws of the Earth, all over Everything that we have, every seed and every everything that is grown, and everything that is. It establishes his lordship over all of it. We read that a moment ago in Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The second thing is it declares the Lordship over our hearts, which is quite a, a different thing for us. It's one thing for us to understand that there is a God who's created everything, and it is quite another for us to understand. That him and know him and make him Lord over our lives personally, that we would come into obedience with him and that our hearts would completely belong to him. The third thing that we understand from reading scriptures about giving and what happens as a result of that is it provides for a continual missional support of the local church to fulfill the Great Commission. And what is that? Proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Jesus made it very clear for us. He wants us to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples, to raise them up. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a committed effort, a place for people to be trained and equipped and and raised up. And and so the church uh, in in what we do uh, provides that. The fourth thing that we find out about uh, giving through Scripture is that it opens the floodgates of provision for our lives. So I want to go through each one of these. Let's start with the first. The rule of God over all, over everything. Psalms 24.1, a moment ago we read, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The decision to become a steward of what has been provided is the acknowledgement of, of, of there being a provider. You know we we are uh, stewards holding loosely to what God has provided, because he we know he is the provider and he always takes care of. We're not hoarding what God has given. We're not hoarding, uh, you know, through greed or any other way what what is taking place. We we have this understanding: there is a provider and he provides. He does what we cannot do. Right? We owe nothing. That's the that's the position that we take as as stewards, understanding that we've been given everything and we own nothing. We give what He has provided. So I'm not writing a check out of my bank account (laughs) to help the church or to do something. I am giving what God has given to me. The very source of of income that God has provided for our family, sources of, of income that God has provided for our family, both through my, my job, my wife's job, are the streams coming straight from the throne of God. If he decides that that's no longer the avenue which he wants to provide, he creates a stream from somewhere else. So I never get too hung up. We should never get too hung up on, you know, this, this person, this entity writes my check because, you know, uh, in, in 10 years, another entity could be writing the check, but it's still coming from where? From God. Amen. He's the source. Each time that we give, we affirm that He is the provider. He's the provider. And so we're not scared uh, to hoard up and to hold on to things because He's the provider. He takes care of us. And wherever there is need, God provides. The second point was the lordship over our lives. The lordship over our lives. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I want to ask a question this morning. How many of you have ever had anything stolen from you? So like, One more time. How many of you have never, just hold your hand up. So that's almost everybody in the room has had, to, how many of you, probably something was stolen you just didn't know, like, I, I didn't realize that, you know, I had 20 bucks and now I have five. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I think probably all of you have been stolen from, right? Something's, somebody has, has taken it, uh, you left it somewhere, It's it's gone, and uh, that's obviously a sign. I remember, you know, uh, I wasn't great about hanging on to things when I was younger. I was probably about 19 years old, and I had uh, my wallet had maybe 120 bucks in it I'd been paid, and and uh, I'd gone to a a Coke machine. I put some money in and I happened to just put my wallet on top of the Coke machine, you know, when I was getting the soda and I walked off and left my wallet. It wasn't five minutes and I came back and the wallet's gone. You know, it doesn't have legs. Um, Somebody took it, right? I went to all the places that you would go to find lost and found and somebody's $150 richer, right? So that happens. I I had another time I had a, a, a little folder uh, that I was using in ministry, it was a day timer, and I had some money tucked back in it, and uh, it was really a crucial—you uh, know—the the folder was it was important, and uh, you know the money you can you can replace. Uh, fortunately, the person who stole it, who took it, I had left it in a uh, shopping cart, and the person who took it felt uh, enough guilt to to you know drop this back. And leave a little note for me. I took the money, but here's your folder. <laughs> <laughs> Thieves are great, aren't they? It's so much fun. I mean, anybody ever had your house broken into? Two times in my life, house broken into, uh, you know, they uh, interesting uh, things happened uh, on the, uh, the first break-in. They stole my class ring, which I had left... Uh, and laying on the, the top of my bureau. And, uh, you know, later they got caught. They were wearing my shoes, uh, my shirts, my shorts, my underwear. Um, the a police officer who went to our church actually caught these guys. And uh, they, according to them, they had taken my ring, which makes perfect sense. You know, It's a gold uh, ring that you, you know, you had for your high school ring. And they had thrown it in the river. Now, we know they didn't throw it in the river somewhere. There's a pawn shop that's, you know, and they're $5 richer. I don't know. But <laughs> thieves are no fun. And the Bible talks to us about how the, we can lay up something where thieves can't get to it, where moths can't get to it. And it says something interesting. I had you all read with me a moment ago. They close this passage. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it's interesting that God understands that we have linked our hearts, we have linked our hearts to our treasure, and uh, so He is able to help us understand that better. And if you don't believe that, a quick look at your your uh, checking account uh, will show you that you know we're we're spending money by priority. We prioritize things: clothing, uh, food, shelter, entertainment, transportation, utilities, and hobbies. We prioritize not only like the things that we're going to be spending money on, but we prioritize what we will spend the most money on, what we will spend the first money on, and what we will do last, right? There's just priorities for that. Now, if you don't believe there are any priorities in your life, I want to challenge you that when you get home today to turn off the Internet in your house, just completely shut it off and see how long it takes your family to notice that priority (laughs) is... (laughs) Is off in your household. We all have uh, prioritized what is most important to us, right? But our giving to God seeks to reset our prioritizing. And when we put God in in the term the term the the Scriptures uses is first fruits. When we put God first, and we offer Him the first fruits, and and we begin we reprioritize our whole family. We reprioritize our life. You know, it's, it's not this, this month, I don't know that we can pay tithe. It's this month, I don't know if we can have internet or whatever, you know. It's a, it's a reprioritizing, and all of a sudden, every member of our family, we all notice that there's been a, a prioritizing. And God says that's, that's important for us in establishing Him first in our lives. More than that, it, it declares the Lordship over our lives, it is that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord moment. That we ha- we can have as a spiritual leader in our household. The third one is, it provides missional support. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Our giving assures that there, there will be a place for worship. One of the things that, that kind of hurts my heart a little bit, you know, is Driving through uh, a small or large town and passing a church that has pretty good visibility, but it's it's run down, you know, like it's, it's uh, you know, the paint is coming off, the sign is kind of falling over, and you can't really tell if this thing is still open or not, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, it says a lot about what has been prioritized there and whether, you know, that it's been loved enough and, and people that attend that and call that home are obedient enough in their giving that it would have a, a look that is appealing to people that live in that community. Hello? Our giving assures that there's going to be a place for worship, a shepherd to lead discipleship, a people who will be able to answer the missional call of God on their lives. We just came through just this incredible three days of prayer convocation. It was it was really a wonderful experience. And it didn't happen by happenstance. It happened because of faithful giving provides the opportunity. For us to, to do something like this, to bring guests down uh, from, you know, from Arizona, to fly them down here to speak into our lives, to, to put booklets together, full color booklets that we could follow along with, to, to be able to broadcast and, and you know on online and, and to have this, this wonderful facility that we enjoy and nicely cooled and air conditioned and seats here so that we could provide an opportunity for a gathering like that. So many wonderful things happened as a result of us and and all the pioneers who, who ahead of us prepared this place so that we could come and just receive the wonders of what God accomplished through that convocation. Giving is going deeper in obedience to God. It is trusting Him as the provider. It is recognizing the need to support the work of the Lord in the local church. You know, I I was thinking about my granddaughter, Allison, and we've laughed about this. You know, we were gathered out there in that last uh, service of the convocation. We had taken all that things that had been written down, that you had written down in the sin box. Nobody read or looked at. This was standing between us and God. We want to get rid of it. We poured it all out, and on the top we put that in big letters, what Michelle had written out, sin, you know, and we're burning this, you know. And uh, we're kind of rejoicing over that, you know, but it wasn't really very loud. And so uh, Allison comes up and she goes, come on, people, our sins have been forgiven. (laughs) 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 And I was thinking, you know, how wonderful it is that we have children's ministry and we can train these kids and we can teach them that they they are the hope of the future of the church that they're going to carry this message outside these four walls and love on people who need to know jesus christ as their personal savior fourth giving opens the floodgates of heaven see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much more blessing that there will be uh there will not be room enough to store it this uh term of the floodgates it it brought something to my uh my mind about uh my early growing up in phoenix and then uh, when michelle and i were first married we repeated uh this this experience that i had as a as a child as a young young person we had uh, canals uh, in the desert there that ran behind your home uh, they have you know they're not everywhere now you know and with modern housing they've changed the way that they bring water into phoenix uh, several years ago uh, the the central arizona project brought you know it's, it's big it's it's a big it's almost like a river flowing through um, you know down into phoenix and you can put boats on it i mean it's a <laughs> it's quite a deal you know uh and uh, this canal brings life-giving water but the idea came from the the pima indians uh, were one of the tribes that lived in the desert and uh, near where the um uh, the birdie river is and also uh, where the salt river and they converge coming down out of the mountains those uh rivers they took uh little canals and dug them out so they could farm and they could bring water in Uh, the story of my early upbringing and then when michelle and i first got married a home we were living in um that uh when when we first got married had these this canal running behind and so only once a month once a month the water would come through this canal but they had floodgates and uh there were berms that were built up dirt berms around that you protect so that the water when you let open the floodgates and water comes rushing in it doesn't flood your neighbors, you know. They may not have paid their water bills; they don't get any, you know. Um, and it doesn't flood your home, you know. These these berms that are uh, around the backyard there to protect it. And uh, so it was it was a lot of fun, you know, to go and it was watering day, and you and you open that floodgate, you know, you see the water coming down, and and all of a sudden it just comes billowing into your property, you know, just filling it up with this life-giving water and for your grass and your trees and all the plants and everything you know are like yay it's here and uh, you know it's just flooding in and and uh, you know then you close it off when you're all full up and and uh you know it's it's raised to the to the edge of the berms and you just it doesn't take long really not not a whole lot of hours for the water then to seep down deeply 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 into the ground it's a great way of watering. It's a better way than sprinkler systems and things like that. This water just goes way down deep into the roots of the trees and and uh, the grass and just gives it life. And it's and, and it requires less uh, op- opportunities to go out and and water because it's so deeply saturated. And I was thinking about that with respect to this passage because God longs for the floodgates of our lives to be open for deep watering and blessings and spiritual renewal. He he has given us the key for those floodgates to open, and it's the generosity and the giving that opens these floodgates. When we are are harboring too, you can read it all through scripture, it's early in the book of Exodus, whenever they they first started receiving uh, the, the manna from heaven, God's saying, I'm your provider, I'm giving you manna from heaven, this is for you to eat, and I'm providing water for you to drink. I'm, I'm your provider. I'm going to take care of you. And you everywhere you would read that the people would hoard this up, they'd go, oh, this is food, and we better, we better keep this, you know, that it would spoil. God had made it to where it only would last for that day. That's all. And, then, and if they tried to keep it for the next day, it was ruined. It was moldy. It was bad. They had to throw it out, and they had to go get fresh manna for the next day, that God had dumped on their lives. What was he teaching them? I'm your provider. Yes, yes. What you're holding onto so tightly it came from me. And I mean in this, uh, this to be a pass-through, a blessing for others to receive. Give, it said, and we read that passage a moment ago in Luke chapter 6, 38. And it shall be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I am in no way teaching here what some would refer to as a prosperity gospel. This is not your 401k plan, right? It is a soul watering plan. And we need that watering in our soul. We need that deep watering that I was talking about when the floodgates are open in the desert there and those yards begin to fill up and that water just stays and just begins to soak in. We need that for our souls. We need what God provides for soul nourishment. And when we, we hold too tightly to what has been provided, we open our souls to greed, to selfishness, to covetousness, to idolatry. We begin to believe we're the providers. We're the ones taking care of ourselves. We're the ones that are making good decisions. But when we hold to it loosely and we're available to be used by God and we access those keys and open the floodgates, our souls are saturated and God pours in and pours in and pours in. When we recognize that God's blessings in our lives are are meant to be shared we open the floodgates of blessing from God that will not only bless our lives, but provide for the needs of others around us. I've told stories before about, you know, how God has used Michelle and I for uh, particular instances. And there would be seasons where we received money, you know, that we just had no idea, like, didn't need. I'll just be honest with you. Like, we, then all the needs were met. We had a little savings, and a chunk of money would come in, and we're just like... Wow. You know, and, and the temptation is let's go get a big TV, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but often we felt checked in the Holy spirit, you know, that there, that this was being given us as a pastor, there was something God wanted to do we were sitting in our home in in Las Vegas and this couple came in and we were loving on them. You know, we had no idea they had a, a need until they had come and to our home. We just liked the couple. And our hearts were kind of knit together with them Invite invited them over for dinner, their children, uh, to play with our kids and stuff like that. And in the course of talking, ministry opportunity opened up and we heard a need in their hearts and lives, and that money had just come week before, just a surprise deal. You know, I think it was an IRS in your favor kind of thing. A chunk of money, and we're like, wow, love the government today. <laughs> And we had cashed it, you know? And I cashed the check, and we stuck it, like, in our hiding place. We didn't have any safe, so we, we stuck it up, you know, in the closet, in, the, in a place we were hiding money, you know, where the kids didn't know where it was, you know? And immediately, like, as we're hearing this need, Michelle and I are looking at each other, and it was like this unspoken thing. And I just got up and walked over, I'm like, well, here it goes, you know? <laughs> Grabbed the money, you know, and we came over and we want to bless you guys. It's just, it was such an incredible moment. I don't tell you about like God watering our soul. Like there's, there's no amount of money. If we had hit the lottery, you know, uh, right after that, it wouldn't have been better than what happened in that moment when we were loving on this couple and God's ministering to them. And our souls are watered, I mean, all the way deeply. And we're like, God, we can believe you for anything. It's so amazing. You take care of us, and you take care of the people that, that love you. And we are uh, just a, a pass-through for the blessing. And we are so happy for what you've accomplished and done. We talked about it for weeks, you know, her and I, about what joy there was in being able to give that away. And it never felt like it was ours and, you know, like to hoard up. And when we gave it away, you know, we weren't thinking, bummer, you know, we're, we're a little less cash in the stash. Uh, you know, we were happy and our souls were filled up. Let's spend a moment with you before we call the worship team to come to talk about application on what we've learned today, what we're taking away from this. Application has to do with putting into practice, with this message, putting into practice good stewardship of our time, of our talent, and the treasure that God has given us. And it requires going deeper. Moving from being a spectator to being a participator, it requires, it's an action part on our part. This is not just a talk, but it's an invitation from God for us to go deeper with Him. We must move, you know, giving from the end of the month to check and make sure everything's okay to the beginning of the month to say the month's going to be okay because we are going to obey God. Yeah. The Bible uses that term first fruits and that's, that's what God is calling us to do. It requires a deeper faith, a deeper trust, a deeper understanding in where our provisions come from. And as we examine what God says about giving in the whole of the Bible, and we understand God's the provider, and we are the stewards of—we're not taking anything with us. No u-hauls at the funeral home. We're—you know—when we're done, we're done. Somebody else lives in the house. Somebody else wears the clothes. Somebody else—you know—has the computer. Somebody else uh, gets the treasury of whatever we've collected. You know, it's—we're just stewards. We're here for a season, and uh, we're thankful for what God has provided but when we're done, we're done, and it all belongs to him, and it all came from him. There are four questions that I think God wants us to answer this morning that relate to what we just talked about. First of all, is he Lord over all? Is he the provider, and is he Lord over all? The second one is, is he Lord over my heart, which connects to my wallet? Is he Lord in that area? Have I made that one okay? Because it's one thing for me to believe, yeah, he created everything, it's all wonderful and everything, Okay, now uh, my heart and my wallet are kind of connected. Is is God going to be a priority there? The third question is, will I partner with him in the missional work that he has called us to as a local church? Will I be a partner in that? Will I help? Will I be one that they will think about later? My heritage, part of my heritage here on earth was that this building is still standing that the property is here that we expanded we did everything we could to meet the needs of those in our community to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the fourth question is will I use the giving key to open his blessings over my life? Will I allow him to soak my soul as I become obedient to him in this area? We talk about here at the church the 101080 plan and uh, we periodically have people that are new here, and they're new to that understanding. The ten ten eighty plan is one where we put ten percent to God first, ten percent to savings, and then eighty percent that we're living off of on a monthly budget. We actually have more than one couple here that uh, has put that into practice, and they are uh, a couple of them that are actually doing beyond that uh, in terms of their. Uh, savings. You know, they're, they're doing, you know, 10, 20, and then 70. They they're, built their budget around 70%. But why that is so great is, you know, there are always challenges in the world. People lose jobs, different kinds of things happen. If I'm only having to use 60 or 70% of my budget to pay all my bills and things, but then I have that savings, that's tremendous way to live. It takes a lot of pressure off. I'm here to acknowledge that this is a a huge, huge thing for some who are listening. Some of you are online. Some of you who are present here. This is a big, big deal. It's a big challenge to listen to this and and think about it. And and the reason why is because in in all of our lives, we've faced debt. You you may be facing it now. You may have faced it in your past. And debt has a way of making decisions for us. You know, it's like, I'm going to put God first. Debt says, no, you're not. You got to pay this, and you got to pay this, or we're going to come take it away. You know what I'm saying? And so you may you may want to give, but you just you just can't see how that's going to be possible. You're you're like trying to figure that piece out. Like even while I'm talking, you're like I'm thinking through. You know, I've looked, uh, you know, my accounts, and you know I just can't see how that can happen. And what I want to say to you uh, is God is inviting you to trust Him. And I want to ask you to first stand up with me, if you would, wherever you're at, and two things that I want to offer to you before we come to the Lord's table. The first one is that I I want the privilege of praying with you um, a prayer as you make a decision to go deeper with the Lord and become obedient in this area of your life in terms of giving. I want God's blessings on my life. I want to move in the direction of being a, a good steward with what God has placed in my hands. I want to be obedient to that. And so um, I want to pray with you about that. I want to agree with you. The second thing I want to offer to you is uh, an opportunity for financial counseling. Um, All all of us, at one time or another, need to avail ourselves of that. Michelle and I have. We've sat down. Her dad was, uh, you know, we hated to go to him with financial issues because we we knew in advance he was going to say no. but we carried them there because he was wise. He he knew what to do with money, and um, you know we we went and sat down and brought our pride and just kind of pitched it in the trash can uh, for the next thirty minutes while he railed on us about <laughs> always spending money, and we we listened. We really listened, and um, you know we we heard good good counsel, and and you know. Uh, I want to encourage, I want to offer that. You know, uh, I'm kinder than he was, believe me. Um, and uh, and we, can, we also have some other resources we can direct you to, some books that you can read. Uh, I love Dave Ramsey's uh, site. He has a bunch of free things on Dave Ramsey's, um, you know, site that you can use that are helpful financially. But I want to see God's people debt-free. Yeah. I want to see them debt-free. Because I realize when we when we get that way, we can be a huge kingdom asset. You know, our resources are are loosed up for the kingdom to do great things for for God's kingdom. So I want to offer those two things prayer and then financial counsel. Now once I start, I step off the stage in a moment, it's the invitation for if you want to come and, and pray. Me and Michelle are gonna meet you here. And you want prayer saying, Pastor, I want to be obedient in this area of my life, and I want some prayer. I want some encouragement that God will give me directions on the next steps ahead. How do I get to where I need to get so I can be obedient to God? And as we're praying for you, the worship team is going gonna, is gonna to sing. They're going to lead us in songs. But I really believe God can do that. He can do the impossible. I've seen it. Uh, we've done several of these um, Financial Peace University classes here on the campus, and we've seen people get debt-free. It's amazing. I had, I had a couple that... Um, got debt free and brought a big check to the church here said this is what God said, we're supposed to be obedient, a lump sum came into our life, this is 10% of that check we want to be obedient to the Lord. Man, it was so timely, it was so timely, there were some things coming up that we needed to deal with and it was just amazing how God will do that it is absolutely amazing how God will do that when we're, we're ready and uh, so we want to pray with you. We want to agree. You know, we know what what a great life this can be. So I'm going to step down. We're going to do that. If you want financial counsel, on the slide that's just behind this one, we have my name here and the my email. You can email me and, uh, you know, we'll set up something. We'll, we'll work and get you in. And just if it's nothing more than just encouraging you, you know. and and lifting you up and pointing you towards some resources that would be helpful, okay? We want to do that. We love you, God loves you, and we want to help you be the best you can be. It's time for us as a church to go deeper in the things of God. And this first invitation is one where we're going to see incredible things happen if we will move in that direction.